Welcome to Litigation Strategies, the podcast that discusses all things litigation, from filing a small claims lawsuit to closing arguments of a murder trial. We dive into handling a case from the beginning until the end. Your hosts are Daniel Coble and Joseph Berry, both former assistant solicitors for the Fifth Judicial Circuit and who are both currently in private practice. And now, this episode of Litigation Strategies. Welcome to the Litigation Strategies Podcast. My name is Daniel Coble, and with me as always is Joe Barry. Joe, how are we doing? I'm doing great, Daniel. Friday morning to you. Are you excited about this new podcast or what? Could not be more excited just to talk with you a little bit. That's what I'm here for. You know, I don't know if, if there, this world needs two more things, and that is more lawyers and more podcasts. So, you know, I think we're uh, doing our part, wouldn't you say? Yeah, we're here to, to, to make things better for everybody. That's, that's always our goal is to, to serve others, Daniel. Well, speaking of serving others, let's talk about what we're here today to, to serve up. And we're talking about preliminary hearings. Now, you and I, we go back a long time and, you know, we started out at the solicitor's office. And from the day one, they throw you into these preliminary hearings. Do you miss them? I think I do. I, at the time, I did not care for them as much, but looking back, they were they were kind of fun. So I, I do miss preliminary hearings. Yeah, and I agree. As a solicitor, you, it's a great experience because you get to you get to make argument. You get to go to trial essentially. You get to you know you're nervous at first. You're there with the judge, with the defense attorney. They're making motions. You have to be prepared. So it's great experience to get you in the courtroom if you can't get into a trial. So. That's the benefit to it. So before we go any further, I'll give a quick rundown for if you're a new lawyer, if you're a young prosecutor and you're wondering what is a preliminary hearing, well, you're in luck because I've written the book on preliminary hearings. And Joe, I hope you bought a copy. I'm sure you did. It's, it's a great copy. I think I got mine gratis, but, but I need to make a contribution to the author. I'll double check to, to follow up with you on that one. Well, preliminary hearings, what they are. After someone is arrested, they go to bond court, their bond is set. They either get out of jail or they sit in jail awaiting trial. Now, in between that time, our system, we want to, we have checks and balances. We want to make sure that someone isn't sitting in jail, you know, with a charge that's, you know, bogus or there's something wrong with it. And, you know, just because they can't make bond, we want to make sure that there is actually probable cause. And so, A defendant may request a preliminary hearing. Now, the timing with COVID and court dockets, it's not always perfect, but it should happen quickly. Does it? No, it sometimes takes a while. So you need to be prepared for that. And at this hearing, though, the state has the burden to prove that there is probable cause for the arrest and continued detention of the defendant. This will be handled by a summary court level judge, so either a magistrate or municipal. And the only charges that go through are general sessions charges. So this includes misdemeanors and felonies, but no magistrate or municipal level charge gets a preliminary hearing. At the hearing, the officer takes the stand. They're sworn in and the prosecutor asks them to state the probable cause for the arrest. After they have given that testimony, the prosecutor may ask them questions to clarify or to make sure that they've hit all the elements. After that, the defense can cross-examine. They can't introduce evidence, but they can question the the officer under oath and make sure that the judge, if there isn't probable cause or something is wrong, jurisdiction, some issue, that the judge is aware and the the defendant defense can make that motion to dismiss. 
Joe, what did I miss? Is that about sum it up? It about sums it up, although I have seen a, a few defense attorneys try to introduce some evidence, which is always fun. Uh, I've seen you some are. pictures come in from, from defense counsel, and sometimes things get a little spicy and they don't quite follow the rules. But that's, well, you, you just summed up magistrate court in general. You know, we got rules down there, but we, it's, it's, I'm not going to say it's the wild, wild west, but to be fair, you know, I was a magistrate judge for four years. We have thousands and thousands of cases in these preliminary hearings, so... Sometimes the, the the rules aren't followed exactly right, but you know that's that's life sometimes. So you have to be prepared. And I can tell you, I have I've had the same issue where defense attorneys want to introduce evidence. They they make discovery requests. There's a lot of stuff that happens, and uh, sometimes you just got to go with it and, and and make it happen. But as to the when you and I were prosecutors, what was your biggest frustration at preliminary hearings? I'm sure there are many just in general, but at preliminary hearings, I had had plenty. Frustrations. I'm thinking back either the law enforcement officer who who says too little or says too much. Um, You know, going up there as a prosecutor, all I'm looking to do is what are the elements of the crime that are the defendants accused of? Establish those elements, including any, you know, predicate, prior offenses, any enhancements involved, you know, making sure all of those are properly noted and get jurisdiction and then call it a day. Right. And, and that shouldn't take too long, but, but sometimes it does. And you've got the law enforcement officer who just won't tell you anything or the law law enforcement officer who just goes on a long story, which just doesn't help anybody. It can hurt the case potentially. So that's what I recall the, the the frustrations being, because sometimes you don't want to be sitting in jail for four hours going through these hearings. You want to get back to the office and get back to work or, or go home and, and not go to work, but you don't want to be there all day. So. And that frustration is also shared by magistrate judges as well. When I would, you know, be sitting up there and you would have a prosecutor, they would they would ask questions and the officers would go on and on and on. And then the, the prosecutor would do follow-up questions and they would start getting into the case. And, and you're sitting there thinking that the PC has been established a long time ago you know, the case, you're, you're dragging out the case. And not only that, you're, you're getting into more information that's not necessary. Now on the defense side, I, that's what I want to hear. I want to, the more someone is talking, the more that officer is under oath, the more potential impeachment evidence that we're looking at here that could hurt the case. Absolutely. And you'll have defense attorneys bring a recorder with them and record the hearing. And, and what that officer says, you know, it needs to be tight. If they make mistakes there, that can certainly be used to undermine the case later on. And, and like you, I believe, mentioned before, I mean, this is the defense attorney's chance to maybe get the case dismissed. Sometimes that's it's a, dismissed. That's a good point to bring up the, the recording. Now, these are recording. Now, in Richland County, where I was a magistrate, we have a very nice recording system, a very nice court. But across the state, it might not be the same. They might not have a recording device for some reason. It might not work. So always bring a recording device, whether it's just a little one, whether it's your iPhone, let the judge know you're using it and make sure to put it up there where that it can pick up everything that's being said, because you don't want to miss something. There's no transcript. uh, There's no court reporter. You need to do your own due diligence. That's a good point to bring up. Uh, Now, on the flip side, Joe, the, the frustrations I see coming from the defense, let me say one my biggest advice to young public defenders, since public defenders handle most of these cases, one issue I see sometimes is where they are, I'm not going to say mean to the officer, but they are maybe disrespectful. And all of a sudden 
the case that they're covering for another public defender or someone else, they've gone ahead and made this officer really mad. And as you and I both know, whether we like it or whether it's wrong or right, 99% of all cases end up in plea deals. They don't go to trial, they end up in plea deals. Now, whether we'll say that for another episode about that process and uh, the issues there with criminal justice reform. But for this, if the case is getting up in a plea deal, the assistant solicitor will carry a lot of weight and make that final determination. But they're always going to ask the officer, what do you think about this plea deal? Now, if they look back to and they were embarrassed or disrespected or talked down to at preliminary hearings, they might remember that, don't you think? Absolutely. A hundred percent. And you do see some of that's when say things get spicy in the absolutely seen defense attorneys go after um, an officer and you know, sometimes it makes sense and sometimes it just what's the, what's the end game here are, are we making a point just to make a point or are you advancing the case that's exactly right so and, and you'll hear that throughout this entire podcast series it's all about you know the end game what advancing your case what are your goals so yes if you want if that officer is is being disrespectful if he's done something wrong and you need to cross-examine him, put him on the spot, then absolutely go for it. But have a reason for it. Don't just do it just because you're mad or because you want to look good or because you saw it on TV. If there's, You need to have a reason for everything you do, you know, because litigation is a long, long game. Not just your specific case, but your career in general. So that's something you need to focus on and make sure you know, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? That's exactly right. And, and, you know, even if the case does get dismissed at preliminary hearings, they can always be brought back. You've got direct presentment of indictments. So that, you know, even though it's final, it may not be truly final. And that's a, let's, let's move on to direct presentment of indictment. So that is going back to this process. If a case is dismissed at preliminary hearings, it does not mean it goes away forever. What it means is that an assistant solicitor, they always have the option to go before a grand jury uh, which is 18 members of, of your community, where they will bring an actual indictment that they draw up and they can indict it themselves without an arrest warrant. And 12 of those jurors, if they vote to uh, true billet, then it goes forward and you that defendant is indicted and the case is brought back. And then what happens then? That defendant has to have that DP, as we call it, direct presentment indictment served on them at the General Sessions Court. And they have to have another bond setting, which means they'll have to go back to their jail to check in and get fingerprinted and go through that process again. So if you win your preliminary hearing, you might not win it for good. You might have made that officer really mad and that officer goes straight to the assistant solicitor. Now, Joe and I both had that. We were on the same team, so we had some of the same officers that come straight to us and you know, we'd be hesitant. If he got dismissed at prelims, there was probably a reason. Oh, that's the worst call to get is <laughs> Yeah, you get a phone call says you guys need to directly present this case. It got dismissed. It shouldn't have been. And well, send me the file. Take a look at it. And what do we do? We sit on it for a little bit and see if it was just an emotional thing or if it was a factual thing, and then we deal with that. Now, sometimes it, if it's a serious case and it was a a tech, now I don't like to say the word technicality because technicality is the Constitution. We'll just use the word technicality just for you know purposes of explaining how the officers feel about it. You know, if there's a technicality and the officers want it brought back, then that's what the grand jury is for. But there's also another strategy to, so I want to talk about strategies for on the defense side, what to get out of a prelim. So first and foremost, it gives you a chance as a defense attorney to go meet the officer. That's the best. If you could, if you have a good relationship with law enforcement, with this officer, you get a chance to go see them, 
uh, and talk with them about the case. Maybe tell them what your plans are, what kind of offer might be out there. You know, go build up your client, have your client dress up, you know, show themselves. And if they're not in jail, it's a great opportunity to meet the officer. And frankly, not only the officer, but perhaps if there, it's a victim case, there's the victim's family or the victim themselves, him or herself. It's a chance to make an impression there, which, which you get down to a, a potential plea deal down the road and, and the victim's disposition make, can make a difference. So you're, you're making impressions left and right, for sure. And how often did you and I, when we had a, we had a plea deal, we knew a case should have been pled to something, but we had to deal with the officer and the victim's family. How, how often was that? It, it, it's critical. I, I, very frequently, and if you're not aware, there is a victim's bill of rights. So there are constitutional protections for victims, as there should be. And the victims have a say in the process. And while they can't necessarily stop a certain plea deal, They've got a right to be there and be informed and be a part of the process. So that's what the victim's disposition is towards the case can make a, a big difference. That's right. And so, and again, it's all about strategy. So if you're going to attack the victim, sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes the victim is is lying or, or misrepresenting or misremembering or whatever it may be. But sometimes I've seen victims attacked and the victim wasn't too involved in the case. They were just kind of going through the process. And then all of a sudden they're attacked for no reason. And all of a sudden, they are gung ho, and they're they're ready for the to call the solicitor and go forward with this case. Well, that, that's absolutely right. And another angle, and this may be on the kind of unspoken side of things, so we'll we'll see. But sometimes, as a prosecutor, you'd see defense attorneys making a big fight over something where it's like, "Look, man, this probable cause here is getting bound over. What are we doing here?" But sometimes you're doing that to, to frankly, maybe impress your client. You know, is, law is also a business. And, you know, defense attorneys are being hired. Obviously, it doesn't apply to public defenders necessarily. But even then, it's not just to, to show them that you're a fighter for the sake of doing it. But you know, that can be giving your client some hope and letting them know that, hey, you know, I, I've got somebody fighting for me. And that can really make a difference in their mentality going forward because, you know, it, it is a struggle going through the, the criminal justice process for sure. So that's right. And a lot of a lot of times the defense attorneys, they got to show that they're working, that they're, they're putting on the effort and everything. And, you know, if you're not involved, if you're not an attorney, if you've never been through the system, you might not understand what is happening. But you want to see some, you know, if you watch TV all the time, you want to see someone fight for you. So it's all about finding a balance, doing it right. And so that comes to if if you're the defense and you have a motion you think the case, there isn't probable cause or there is an issue. There's several different things you can ask for. All right. So first you can ask for it to be dismissed just outright. You can say there wasn't probable cause. There wasn't correct jurisdiction, whatever county you were in. And that's, that's what we see a lot of times. And then the second is you can ask for it to be remanded. All right. So remanded means it would be sent down to magistrate court as some other type of charge. So if it was started out as an attempted murder, Maybe you think it should be remanded down as an assault and battery in the third degree, which is a 30 day. That's a big uh, drop. That is a big drop. And that's a big ask. So you have to be aware of what you are asking a judge to do. All right. So probable cause is not a high standard. So if you're asking them for this big get, you better have a good reason for it and you better, you know, have good credibility. So if you ask for every case to be remanded, dismissed, your credibility goes down. But there's also another option, which it's debatable if it's even an actual legal uh, option, which, Joe, I know we saw this all the time, but it was to uh, lower it to a lesser included. 
Yes. Now that technically might not even be legal. It's not a, you know, it's not a set in stone. It's technically it's either dismissed or it's bound over, but you do have the option to have it as a remanded or lowered to a lesser included. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I recall quite a few cases being reduced, you know, charged with a drug offense, second offense, and, oh, it's actually a first offense. Let's just make it a first offense. That's right. That happens. Now, whether that's legal or not, it doesn't matter because it's going to happen and it is an option. So uh, advice here, don't be greedy. If, if you want to have it dismissed and you want to go for it, okay. But if you can only get it reduced, you know, try to get it reduced. You know, you can, then all of a sudden your leverage, your, your negotiating power has just moved, moved up a little bit and you can, you know, maybe, and your client sees you get it reduced, get it taken care of. That's always an option. So, you know, don't be greedy and try to get everything dismissed because remember, it's just probable cause. So is, is that the most compelling thing as a judge for you up there? You know, what's really convincing you to, to make a decision? What, what are you looking to hear? That's a good question. What I, as a judge, which you're going to just look, you're looking for probable cause. And so the way I look at it is, with that officer who just testified, if they had come before me, like they normally do for an arrest warrant, and they had told me what they had just testified under oath, would I sign that arrest warrant? That answer is, it might be yes, it might be no, but it's not a high standard for probable cause. So you need to understand that, would a judge sign an arrest warrant? That's what I tell when I train new judges, I say, would you sign an arrest warrant based on what they testified? What you're looking for really is some missing element, something, some injustice where either it didn't occur in Richland County or Fairfield County or, you know, Georgetown, wherever it may be, or it's completely missing an element. So let's say it was, you know, attempted murder. Let's say they were charged attempted murder, but the allegations are that the gun accidentally went off. Okay. Well, there's no intent to kill, specific intent to kill. So that case would be dismissed likely. So, you know, that's always a potential, you know, issue that you can see. Do you ever recall dismissing one for lack of jurisdiction? Forget to ask, where did this happen? You know, that is frustrating in a sense of, it can be frustrating because there could be probable cause there because, you know. Did you, and, and ask I, did you ever ask a question? Did you ever hop in to say, to, to get something clarified for you? Or did you leave that up to the attorneys? To I've done it before, you know, and that happens if the, if, if the attorney, you know, if if the judge is in the mood where they will, they have the right to do it, in my opinion, there's nothing saying they can't do it. Um, it is an administrative, I've gotten a heated argument before with the public defender. This is an, an administrative-like hearing. It's not an adversarial hearing. It's an administrative-like hearing to determine if there's probable cause. Just like when they, you know, come before you for an arrest warrant, they got to present the case. They got to give the information. So no, I don't really, I would never ask questions in general, but there's nothing stop me from saying, all right, well, state, I'll let, I'll reopen, you know, your direct examination or redirect. There's nothing really stopping you from doing that, that I'm aware of. And so that goes back to having your relationships with uh, the judges, with court staff and with the officers. Yeah. Do the right thing. Uh, that's what I hear from you. You're trying to get the right thing done. It, it's funny thinking back to an interaction with a judge. I don't always shine my shoes. I really rarely shine my shoes. My shoes got to be in bad shape to shine them. But I do specifically recall, you know, because my feet are sticking out under the table. It's an open table. It's not a big fancy table. And afterwards, a judge said, hey, I, 
I really liked your shoes. Doesn't necessarily get me a favorable ruling. Of course, I'm not looking for favorable or disfavorable. You're just trying to get, you know, the cases handled appropriately. But, you know, you are making an impression. Back to, back to how you comport yourself in that courtroom, how you present yourself. Are you on time? <laughs> you know, and, and back to how do we get your cases dismissed. One of the most kind of, I don't know the right adjective, but one of the ways cases be dismissed is that the prosecutor doesn't show up. I know we've had that happen a time or two where court's in session, defendant's there, counsel's there, defendant counsel's there, but there's no prosecutor. And all those cases get dismissed. Now, now that's a bad call to get from a supervisor that uh, no prosecutor's there. Well, so this would happen, this happened with me one time. And so every judge is different. And so I, this is when I got into a heated, heated argument with the public defender about this, because, you know, I don't like waiting around for anyone to show, you know, you know, I've been late, of course, but I don't want, I'm not gonna wait 30 minutes. So, you know, once the, the two o'clock or whenever time it was, it had been five minutes and they, staff came back and said, the, the solicitor is still not here. I said, that's fine. Let's go get started. All right, so I called the first case, and I said, all right, Officer Smith, come uh, come testify. State your probable cause. And that def- that uh, public defender jumped up and had a motion, and he had a big smile on his face, uh-huh. and he said, I'll motion to dismiss all these cases. And I said, I said, why? Uh, and he said, because there's not an assistant solicitor here. I said, the officer's here. And he said, well, no, the, the prosecutor has to be here. I said, nowhere in the rules does it say that the assistant solicitor, and quite frankly, half of the counties don't even have an assistant solicitor, go to prelims, which I think is a good thing to do. Interesting. I realize that about half the counties. I mean, my experience is in Richland and and we certainly did there, do there, but yeah, I'm looking at it's rule two, preliminary hearings. Says nothing about having a prosecutor there. And so, and so that's just being prepared. You can try to get the case dismissed if the the solicitor doesn't show up, but just remember this, if all those cases get dismissed, what is that solicitor going to remember about what you did? You know, it, and obviously, if you have a client, you got to do what you got to do. I'm not saying that, but also advising your client that not only may the case be brought back, but now there the, any offer or deal, potentially, it might just go down a little bit. It might not be as good as you want it to be. Whether that's right or wrong, that's the reality. And so if you talk with that solicitor and say, hey, I know you're not here, but I'll let you continue it or I'll help you out. That goes a long way. And the courts pick up on that. And going back to what you were saying about you know image and confidence and credibility. That's big because a lot of times a judge is kind of just saying, you know, give me a reason to rule against you. If, if you're nice, if you're friendly, it's hard to rule against somebody, you yeah. know, who is that way. So, so always, you know, be as respectful both to the court and the officer, unless you have a reason not to be, to be officer, just make the judge, make it as hard as possible for that judge to tell you no, because you're their friend, you're their buddy. And it's hard to tell your buddy no. Sometimes, you know, you, you do it. I learned to do it. I say it no to you all the time, Joe. Ah. Sometimes you just got to do it. So you're absolutely right about image and credibility. Yep. It's, it's, it's what's, the, what's the end game? What's the point? And everybody's human. People make mistakes and, and giving people some grace and, and understanding the process, is, it goes a long, long way. Well, Joe, that we could talk for hours. You know, it's the most interesting subject. Preliminary hearings, we could talk for hours and hours about prelims. And I could keep selling my book over here. But and there, I did film a CLE on pocket prelims, too. So, you know, I'm just going to plug myself all day on this. You're but, a content machine. <laughs> we will we'll end it there. So. Uh, we appreciate you listening. You, as you can see, what you're going to hear, the overall theme is always about the end game. What is your What are your goals? How do you advance forward with this litigation? Whether it's trial, whether it's mediation, whether it's motions hearing, it's all about moving the ball forward, having goals, 
and advancing forward, as Joe said. So we look forward to having you with a lot more episodes and talking about this, this litigation strategies, how it plays out, how to get the best deal for your client, whoever that may be, and how to enjoy the practice of law, which is always not enjoyable. It can be tough, but what do you got to say, Joe? Ah, you covered it. We appreciate everybody for, for tuning in and look forward to having you all with us next time.